So we are going through a series today called The Seven Experiences. These seven experiences honestly are uh, the, the directives. They're the seven commands, the basic commands that we see in the life of Jesus. Particularly, we're going to read his words, read the words that he said, because obviously if you're going to get the commands or the experiences from the guy who's initiating them, you probably should read what he said. The one we're going to focus on today is this idea of water, water. The water experience. Some of you know this is baptism. Some of you have been baptized. Some of you were baptized as babies, right? A priest held you in front of mom and dad and sprinkled a, a little bit of water on your face, and maybe you cried a little bit. Maybe you didn't. Who knows? You got those funny little pictures in that christening, right, in that christening gown, right? Big, beautiful white gown that they laid out and almost in front of the altar. It's a beautiful ceremony, but do we know what happens at baptism? Do we even understand why we get baptized? Now, I'll be willing to bet that what I'm about to share to you, with you today, some of you have heard parts of, but my, my guess is that many of you haven't taken the deep dive we're going to take into baptism and what it symbolizes and what it means today. Because there is a, a reason that we get baptized. There's a reason that we do this thing where we go under the water and come back up. There's a purpose in this activity. But first, let's read the words of Jesus because they're very important. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was very intent that part of our disciple-making process, we read about last week the idea of change, that Christ expects us to change, that he loves us right where we're at. He loves us in the mess of life that we are in. However, he loves us way too much to let us stay there. He expects something in your life to be better. He expects something in your life to change. And every single person in this room expects change to come when you come to church. You don't expect to leave like you came. You expect something to take, you expect to take something home with you. You expect something to take hold of your heart, something to resonate within you, that when you leave, it helps format a change in your life. Because if you didn't think you were going to change, if nothing about your life was going to change, when you darken the doors of a church, you wouldn't come. It'd just be entertainment for entertainment's sake. But we know that God calls us, Jesus calls us to this place where we adopt change into our life, even though it's hard. Well, then he asks us to do something as a symbol of our change. He asks us to do something to put a capstone on the idea that we've changed. He said, go out and make disciples of all nations. And then he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a symbol of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It means that we have also laid down or died to our old life. And that we are risen to new life in Christ. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Galatians 2.20. We're going to unpack some words here in Galatians 2.20. We're going to unpack specifically one Greek phrase that's very, very important. It is the cornerstone for everything we talk about when we talk about baptism. Many of us have heard the idea that this water experience, we go down under the water, we come back up, and we are a new creation. That is why, other than uh, as far as dedicating your children, we don't believe in infant baptism because an infant probably hasn't changed their way. They probably haven't decided and be a very intellectual infant, maybe Stewie from the family guy, maybe he could reason that out, but the very, very intellectual child to, at one years old, decide that they're going to live the rest of their life for Christ. Most of them don't have that mental capacity, and nor should they. 
So we don't believe in infant baptism. However, we do believe that you can come and dedicate your child as parents before God, before friends, before your church community, that you will raise that child in the nurture and the admonition of God. It's a very godly thing to do. And if you were baptized as an infant and you haven't been baptized as an adult, hopefully this will lead you to the understanding of why that's so important. So Jesus talks about the idea that we should baptize everyone who's come to this knowledge of faith. We understand that the idea of baptism is a death to self, that you are shedding the old life and that you're coming alive and anew. So Galatians 2.20 points to this process, not specifically about baptism, but gives us a context of what it is to live a new life in Christ. And it says this, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. I'm sorry, and it's, it's not I who lives any longer, but Christ lives in me. And that which I live now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. The entirety of the gospel is written right there in that passage. You could use that scripture, and there are many other scriptures that encapsulate the entirety of the gospel. But it's laid out there very succinctly, very specifically. The writer of this, of this verse is trying to get us to a doctrinal understanding. He's trying to get us to a theological point. And he uses a phrase in the beginning, I have been crucified with. This is one word in the Greek. And I'm going to be really bad in my Greek pronunciation today. It's sustasturo. Yeah, okay. You can try that on your own some other day. You can type it in Google and have her translate. She'll do it wrong also. But the problem is, well, Greek's a dead language, so don't tell me I said it wrong because nobody knows. It's Koine Greek's dead. Anyway. This idea of I have been crucified with wrapped up in one word is actually the author trying to say something very poignant. This idea of being crucified with is the act of immersion. The idea that we, believing in baptism, would go under the water and come up new is this concept of crucifying of self, of putting away the old life, of getting rid of the old person. See, the problem is many of us as Christians, we go under the water, we come back up, and the moment we see our past in the distance, we see our past in the eyes of a long and forgotten friend. Maybe we see our past in the mistakes that we've made in our children or other relationships. Maybe we see our past in our financial deficits, and we instantly run and re-identify with a body, a corpse that's been dead. Here in Galatians in 2.20, We read this idea, I have been crucified with Christ. I am immersed in the crucifixion of Jesus. I have been crucified with, has three inspired grammatical parts in the Greek. I believe that God was very intentional when he had men write the scriptures. And I believe he had them write this one phrase very, very intentionally. Anytime you parse out a Greek word, you use the three different uh, avenues. You use the tense, the voice, the mood. First, he, he, he points out this, this idea that it is, it is in the perfect tense. What does this mean? This means it's having been completed in the past, once and for all, and nothing needs to be repeated. When you are baptized as a symbol that you have died in Christ and are now risen again, or you are now crucified with Christ, it is in the perfect tense, meaning it has been completed in the past. It happened in the, not here and now, you're not dying over and over again. It happened at the moment of salvation and you are recognizing that work in baptism. And it happened once and for all and it never needs to be repeated again. Now, if you want to get baptized three or four times, go ahead. 
But the fact is, though, what God did in your life when you come to Christ and you've killed the old man happened once and for all and doesn't need to be repeated. We feel the need for repetition and to run to the cross as we should for repentance, but we feel the need to kill the old man because he never really died. We pick him back up and try to reanimate him and make him part of our life. Habits. We read the Bible a little more. We say, I do to Jesus in our prayer life. We don't say, I do to Jesus in our relationships. We don't say, I do to Jesus when it comes to our finances, making his priority top priority. We don't say, I do to Christ in the totality of our life, and then it begs the question, if he is not Lord of your entire life, is he Lord of any of it? Baptism is the symbol that Christ is now the point at which you are, which you are immersed in, and you come up whole and new and remade in the image of Jesus it happens once and for all. It never needs to be repeated. This idea that you don't have even a right to pick up the old dead man, and neither does anyone else, is a guilt trip for you. The second inspired grammatical parsing of that verb is this, that it's in the passive voice, meaning someone else crucified me. I didn't do this. Meaning that when you come to the cross, it says, I have been crucified with. This passive concept means that you didn't take the nails and pin yourself up on that cross. You don't have the intestinal fortitude to cut off the bad habits in your life, to cut away the old man, to do away with the old life. You don't. We don't. I wish we did. I wish Christianity was nothing more than behavior modification. Because then I could tell you, go out and don't do these things. Don't watch rated R movies. Don't listen to rap music or country. They're both bad. I don't know. Mix country and rap and you get, anyway. See, some of you are slow. Some of you got it right there. Uh, bad, bad pastor joke. Anyway, we come to a place where we have to understand that we give our whole self to this idea of baptism, of crucifixion. You don't have within you the strength to crucify self. If you took hammer to nail and tried to pound that nail into your hand, to pin yourself on the cross, every one of us would jump off the moment, we felt, the moment we felt the slightest tinge of pain. Yet Christ took on that suffering so that we could live and die and be buried as the old man in his suffering. That when we come up in baptism, you literally have someone else helping you. You plug your nose and a pastor or, or an elder helps you go down under the water and come back up. It's no effort of your own. See, the symbolic nature of baptism is if you could baptize yourself, it's just taking a bath. But if you are truly and honestly baptized in the faith, you have someone, elder states person in the faith, they, again, they take you under the water and bring you back up, and it shows to the world that by no effort of your own, you've made this conversionary process, that you weren't good enough to come to Christ, yet he allows you to be a part of the process, the passive voice. The other concept here is the indicative mood. It's a statement of fact. It happened. Okay, so this idea, I have been crucified with. If we were to read it how it's actually parsed out in the Greek, it would say this. What I'm telling you is a true fact. I have already been crucified with Christ Jesus. God crucified me. I didn't do it myself. It happened and was completed in the past, once and for all, and never needs to be repeated. Let me read that again because it's super powerful. What I'm telling you is a fact. I have actually been crucified 
by God with Christ Jesus. God crucified me. I didn't do it myself. It happened. It was completed in the past once and for all. It never needs to be repeated. How often, listen, baptism is so important because it's a marker and a moment in your life where you can tell the world, no, no, I left him in baptism. I left that old dead person in baptism. I, I knew you and you were the worst liar. You were the worst. Every, every word that came out of your mouth, you're a liar. You're nothing but a liar. Nope, he's dead. He's underwater. He's submerged. I drowned that sucker. I came up new in Christ. I knew you and all you were was a scoundrel trying to find one girl after another. Man, your Instagram feed is just filled with one heartbreak after another. No, 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 that guy's dead. That guy's been buried. That guy's gone. I know you, girl. You're the one that always picks the wrong guy. You're the one that always picks the, the, the bad boy who never stays around, who can't raise his own kids. No, that's not me. That was me, but that person's dead. No longer has right to be brought up. The purpose of baptism is that we sit in this water and we are immersed not just in the life, new life of Christ, but symbolizing the full-on death of the person that we used to be so that we can confidently say, in Christ, all things are new. That everything in Christ is made new. It's his intention that the entirety of this world would be made new, that it would come back to its original stated intent. You as a Christian person, you as a person, a human person, were never intended, you were never intended to be stuck in the bounds of sin. You were never intended to live a life depressed. You were never intended to live a life that's sick. You were never intended to live a life that's impoverished. You as a Christian person or as a human person carry with you the stamp or the fingerprint of God, his image, the Imago Dei. Everything Christ did at the cross is to renew, to reignite, to refire his image within you. The psalmist says it the best, what is man that you're mindful of him, that you've crowned him with glory and honor or dignity and worth, that you've set him to rule over the works of your hands and that you put everything under his feet. The psalmist literally looking up at the night sky counting the stars and wondering how the creator of the universe flung them into their sockets. He ponders to himself that there must be something intentional about this God and man that he even takes thought of us. Not only that, that he takes thought of us, but that he's crowned us with glory and honor or dignity and worth. Glory and honor, a bad King Jimmy translation. Dignity and worth. God has given you a sense of dignity and worth. And everything in baptism is reuniting with that sense of dignity and worth. That no matter how dirty you are, when you go under, you come up as clean as the wind-driven snow. This is why baptism is important. This is why baptism is a fundamental belief. This is why baptism is something that we hang our hats on. Those who have been discipled ultimately become baptized. It's such a big deal that if someone asks me, I'll baptize them wherever, I don't care. In fact, early days of the church, there was a couple who since moved away, and man, I hate it when people move out of the area, but they do. This young couple, they hadn't been baptized. They heard us talking about the idea of baptism. He called me kind of frantically and said, Pastor, I've never been baptized, but I need to make this public, I need to pay, make this public demonstration. I need to show the world. I said, invite your friends and family over. Let's go to your house. Fill up the bathtub. We're going to baptize you. Fill up a bathtub, a bathtub in his mother-in-law's house. Friends and family gathered in the doorway, and we baptized him and his wife. Listen, it's not the formality that matters. 
It's the fact that you are telling the world, family and friends, you are making a proclamation. I am ready to let go of the old dead self. I am ready to let go of the old dead man. I am ready to take up new life in Christ. I am ready to be crucified with Christ. That this crucifixion is going to happen in my life. In fact, it's already happened. Once I accepted him, he did the work. All I need to do is live in it. He did the work of crucifixion. He did the work of taking on my sin, my shame, all of my pain, all of my frustration. He did the work and it never needs to be repeated. I don't care how far estranged you feel from God. All you need to do is step back into that place of baptism. If you were baptized as an adult and you understood what you were doing, step back into that moment of baptism. Nope, nope, I'm going to reassign my nature at baptism. Nope, I'm going to reassign my nature under that water. Nope, I'm going to reassign who I was when I came out and I was transformed. Sometimes we go astray. Sometimes life happens. We follow Jesus for a while. Frustrations mount. Issues happen. Marriages fall apart. Kids run away. Spouses die. Things happen in life that are hard and difficult. And sometimes, as life happens, we veer off course. We're no longer living in the new nature that we have under the banner of Christ. We walk away from it. We want to come back to Jesus at the moment of salvation, Jesus opened up the opportunity for you to live in that new life in Christ as we talked about in Galatians 2.20. But sometimes we need to re-up. We need to re-identify. We need to say, okay, maybe it's the second or third or fourth time, but now I'm going to make this proclamation again. I'm going to show the world I'm new in Christ. It doesn't mean that if it happened once and for all and doesn't need to be repeated, it doesn't mean that we might not get rebaptized or we might not take on that ownership of new life again. What it means is that the work of Christ has already been done. We don't have to send Jesus to the cross every time we goof up. We don't have to send Jesus to the cross every time we need forgiveness. We don't need to send Jesus to the cross every time we fail. When we fail, we understand and we know that he is already, for once and for all, in perpetuity's sake, he has settled the debt. You are no longer that old dead person. You've been raised to new life in Christ. When will we understand that we can live in that even while we are sinful? The Bible is very clear about it, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself that Jesus was in the embodiment of the very person of God as God on the earth sacrificed his son so that he could reconcile the world to himself. We're not estranged from God and hoping that someday God will finally be okay with us and come down and meet us head on. No, no, he's already done the work to bring you into the family. It's our job to live as part of that family. Galatians 2.20, if you have your Bibles, Again, we're going to read that I've been crucified with Christ. This action happened not by any work of my own. It happened once and for all. It never needs to be repeated. And it's a true fact. It's a true statement. This did happen to me. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And that which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is baptism. This is baptism in a theological context, if I had to break it down theologically, this is the words, these are the words I would use. That Paul is 
giving us a beautiful illustration of what it means to go under that water and to come up new. That you don't come up new under your own strength. You come up new in the faith of the Son of God. That you don't come up new knowing that sin isn't going or temptation isn't going to knock at your door. But you know that you have strength to overcome because your faith is now lived out in the Son of God. That you don't live this life daily based on your own merit, on your own power, on your own strength. You live this life after baptism in the strength, in the full power of the faith that you have in the Son of God. Why does Christianity lose ground in our culture? We don't know who we are. Why does Christianity lose ground in the Quad Cities? If you're unaware, we have now been tagged the 15th most post-Christian church or post-Christian cities in America, the Quad Cities, flyover country, middle of the country, the Midwest, 15th most post-Christian cities in America. That's way too stinking high. That number irritates the fire out of me. Just just so you know, I love all these studies to let us know where we're at, where metrics are, but this number frustrates me to death. Think about it for a second. We are here in the heartland. I don't know if you're aware, but the, how the church got started in this area was a little Catholic priest over by the abbey in, in Bettendorf, Davenport, on the, by 74. A little Catholic priest prayed there and a monument was built. Because he prayed against tornadoes and tornadic activity that happened in this area so much so that they couldn't build the railroads through. It was impeding progress across this nation. One priest prayed, and we've never had tornadic activity like that again. And the monument to it is the abbey that's now a drug and rehabilitation center in Davenport-Bettendorf. How come we can have a spiritual lineage that's that deep? that strong, that miraculous, yet we are now the 15th most post-Christian cities in America. Frustrates the snot out of me. I think it's because we've lost our identity. Too many people have been baptized merely as a religious activity. Put another notch on your belt for the church to post a number and to show off on social media. We got 10 people baptized today. Not one of them knew what it was about. Not one of them knew that they don't have to live the old dead life they were living. That they can live new in Christ Jesus. That if you get baptized in this church, and we will have the opportunity, not next week. This isn't a fire you up so you can get baptized seminar. This is for you to understand doctrinally what it's all about. When you get baptized in this church, I pray to God that you understand you're the old dead person, that you can come up in new life, that you can be resurrected as Christ was resurrected, holy and totally new. That doesn't mean you're not going to goof up from time to time. That doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. That doesn't mean there won't be lingering uh, 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 um, uh, emotions and feelings of who you used to be. What that means is you have the right to overcome them. There might be attitudes and actions that linger on post-baptism, but you have the right to look them in the face and say, that's not who I am anymore. I have been made new in Christ. Why should we get baptized? Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13 through 15 actually talks about the fact that Jesus himself was baptized. Listen, if the leader of the group decided to do an activity, we should probably jump in with it. If the leader of this whole thing called Christianity said, you know what, baptism is super important, I'm going to jump in on it. I don't have enough time to go through the details of Jesus' baptism story, but he was baptized by his cousin. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit fell on him like a dove. And what was heard, at least by the gospel writers, was this idea that this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. You are no different. 
Please don't think you are any different than when you are baptized and you come up new, trust me, the Holy Spirit will light on you. There will be a pronouncement from heaven, this is my son, this is my daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. The problem is we tend to separate ourselves from Christ, that his earthly activity could have no merit on our earthly existence, yet it is the exact same thing, that we are supposed to be in Christ, and so in him that Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do greater works, and that starts even with the idea of baptism, that you come up new, that you are affirmed in Christ, that you are affirmed in God, in the faith, that you are part of the family, you are a son or daughter of God, and he is well pleased in you. And don't let anyone else lie to you. Who should get baptized? Acts chapter 23 and verse 38. If you have your Bibles, you can read it. I'm not going to go over it. Everyone, everyone who repents and believes. Everyone who says, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm repentant, and I now believe in this gospel of Jesus Christ. Every person that makes that affirmation, you need to be baptized. I don't care if we got to do it in your bathtub. I don't care if we got to go down to the river, although you might catch something if that happens. Not exactly an advocate of that. I don't care where we need to dunk you. I'm going to dunk you. Or one of these other elders is going to dunk you. We're going to hold, not hold you under too long, just enough to kill that dead man, and then we'll bring you back up. There's a couple of people I baptized. I want to be like, just give me one minute, Lord, just one more minute. Just. Under the water, Jesus. Especially kids. Holy Lord. We baptized. Listen, anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't know. We were in, we were in uh, Louisiana. We baptized a bunch of people one day. This message was preached. The pastor preached it very well. I was a student ministries pastor at the time, and I'm helping him baptize. And there was literally 100 people signed up for baptism. There was a ton of people. And we're baptizing people, and this kid comes up who has been just hell on wheels in kids' church, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait. Let me do it, Lord. Like, let, just, and I held him under a little too long, but I brought him back up, and he was, he was wonderful. You know, the gross thing about baptizing 100 people is that pool was full of hair extensions, and anyway, we're not going to do that here. <laughs> we'll filter it after that. It was awesome. So I'm sorry if you didn't like that visual. I'm sorry. It's the, it's the reality. Their old dead self floated away, and they came up new. Anyway, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Listen, we can get doctrinally crazy, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Like, we can get doctrinally crazy about the words that we use. The point is not the words that follow you being dunked and brought back up. The point is, do you understand what happened? Those of you that are discipled into this thing called Christianity, those of you that are discipled just means you're a learner. You're learning. You're experiencing more and more of what it means to be a Christian. Those of you that are on that journey, do you know what it is to be baptized? Did you get pressured into baptized because the church was like, you got saved, awesome, now you need to get baptized, let's do it, Jesus did it, come on, let's go. Or do you understand what it means to let that old man die, to be crucified with Christ, to come up alive in new life in him? Do you honestly understand what happened? That you can put away the old dead man. That you can put away everything in your life that was broken and fractured. 
everything in your life that just didn't fit the puzzle piece, the tapestry that God was weaving as a picture of your life, that you can let it die under that water and come up brand new. Some of you mentally need to go back to that picture of what it was to be baptized. Some of you need to be baptized. You've not made that confession of faith. You've not said to your friends, to your family members, I'm taking a solid step of faith. I'm letting go of the old man, and I'm coming up new. Some of you need to be baptized again because life got hard and difficult. Not that you're putting Jesus or pinning him back on that cross because we know that it happened once and for all that never needs to be repeated, but that you are making a confident declaration of faith that this time it's going to hold. It's sticking like super glue. I'm going to get involved in this lifestyle of faith. I'm going to let the old man die. I'm going to be who I was called and created to be because I believe he's called me for a purpose. When we talk about baptism, the concept of the water is very simple. It's the washing, not only of the Spirit, but it's the washing of that Holy Spirit. The concept that when you are baptized, you come up through the ranks of the Holy Spirit. You come up not just as one who is touched by God and His Spirit is on you, but the Holy Spirit, like the rain we spoke about this morning, it literally washes away and fills us up. That in a washing moment, his spirit also fills you. As Jesus' experience at baptism tells us, that that spirit will come on you, light on you. Have reason to confidently say, I can, through the power of the Holy Spirit, do everything that God's called me to. Be the person that he's called me to be. Live the life that he's brought me to. And in that knowing that not that you won't have temptation, not that you might not stumble, but ultimately you will not fail because the God of the universe is behind you. The strength, the right arm of God, as the Old Testament says, is behind you, pushing you, prodding you, moving you onto your destiny. It doesn't mean hard times don't come, but it means you can be raised to that new life in Christ even when you feel like you are a total and utter failure. We've all been there. We've all been to those moments where we felt like we were nothing. We were less than nothing. Life has sucked joy and peace and strength right out of us. Baptism is a renewal. It's a reminder. It's a confident expectation that all those things that mean to take me down in one action, in one sacrifice, in one moment, you and Christ under the water can come up new. In a lot of church circles, you'd be crazy not to do a spontaneous baptism at the end of a service like this. So they're filling the tub. I'm joking. They're not. <laughs> the reason for that is I don't want you to ever get compelled to doing something just because there's a level of hype. You need to know, settle in your heart, that when you come to that pool of baptism, that you are letting go, that you are letting it die, that you are rising new in Christ Jesus. You need to know that when you come to that pool of baptism, that you are telling yourself and you're telling others, I am new in Christ. It's changed. Once and for all, never needs to be repeated. This moment, this action is moving me into the life that Christ has for me. And I'm adopting his spirit into my life and he is pulling me into his presence. That he is putting me on like a garment and I'm becoming nothing more than his servant. As Paul said, his bond servant that I become a slave to him, that his will, his purpose becomes mine. When we talk like that, sometimes they're big, theological, heavy 
Christianese ideas, all it simply means is, God, what do you want me to do today? Holy Spirit, I'm yours. Sir, I'm yours to command. What would you have me do? Sometimes it's straight against your plans. Sometimes it's straight against what you had had on your agenda. Sometimes he turns your world upside down, and sometimes he walks with you and says, son, daughter, you know what to do. Go do it. It's not always shouts from heaven when we live out the will of God. Sometimes it's simple. Son, daughter, you know what to do. Go and accomplish it. Go do what I put you on this earth to do. We vacillate back and forth between the two areas, but we all know that as we live in Christ, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer. So this morning, if you've never been baptized, think about it. Think about this topic. Think about this experience of the water. Think about what it means for you to be made new in Christ. If you have been baptized, and you need to re-up the concept. Mull over that moment you were baptized. Mull over what it felt like to go under the water. Relive those moments. Because I guarantee you it was meaningful. It was life-changing. And allow that to watershed over your life once again.